Parliament is uh, back and it's been a very lively start. Penny Wong's uh, call for a possible ceasefire by Israel and all sorts of other exciting matters that only Laura Tingle can explain. Laura Tingle being, of course, chief political correspondent at 7.30. So let's start with Penny. She's having, well, to tread a very fine line, isn't she? She is having to tread a very fine line, Philip, as as is everybody in the government at the moment. And I think the comments about the ceasefire are a really classic case in point because she didn't actually say there should be a ceasefire by Israel. She said there should be a two-way ceasefire. Um, This is on Insiders on Sunday. Uh, But this was immediately jumped upon by, um, you know, quite a lot of people as, you know, an an unacceptable comment and that she shouldn't have said it and all those things. Uh, Peter Dutton went in. Uh, into question time and and, uh, challenged what she'd said. Uh, He said she was being reckless. Well, yes, um, which which would have possibly been true if she'd said what he said that she said, but she didn't. (laughs) Um, So it's... The the government's been having... It's been tricky, I think, for the government to find, uh, as they say in uh, cricket, (laughs) their line and length... um, uh, because, of course, when this whole thing broke out, uh, you know, the first news we got was about this horrific uh, terror attack by Hamas into Israel. Um, since then, the story on a day-to-day basis has really been about uh, what's been happening in Gaza. Now, that changes what people are talking about. It changes what the world community is looking at and responding to. And I think um, with a, a much more uh, sensitive eye than it has in the past. The government is very aware that it's just not Jewish voters that they've got to think about here. It's also people who've got connections uh, into Arabic and Islamic communities in the Middle East. And, you know, they've all got, um, they've all got um, very passionate feelings about this. Um, I think uh, the Prime Minister said in question time, you know, there's a it's incumbent on leaders, political leaders, not to inflame the situation in Australia. Uh, and uh, we've sort of seen already sort of some ugly sort of scenes in Melbourne over the weekend. Uh, and, you know, pe- people feel very passionately about this. Um, there's talk about rising anti-Semitism, uh, you know, uh, rising um, Islamophobia. And so I think Penny Wong has been trying to just say, look, you know, we want constraint on both sides, um, you know, but you know, we have to recognise that what's going on in uh, Gaza is terrible. We're recognising that uh, Hamas is a bad terror organisation, uh, but we're also saying, um, you know, we, we want the Israeli uh, Defence Forces to act within in the con- constraints of international law. There, there are a lot of different messages you're trying to put across to be as, you know, sort of tread that fine line as you can. And um, if if one of those lines is edited out, um, all sorts of chaos ensues, or if people only choose to hear some of those messages but not others. Listeners may be puzzled by the background noise, and it's not coming from my studio. It's coming from the fact that uh, Laura is talking to me. We're having our mingle with tingle on a windswept footpath. Now, pressure, of course, has been mounting within Labor to uh, 
to call out Israeli's reprisals with two senior ministers uh, talking about collective punishment. Uh, well, yes and no, Philip. I, 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 I'm not sure that there, there are that, 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 that I mean, there's been language about that, um, about how, uh, you know, that there is this uh, sort of talk of collective punishment, which of course is a war crime. But th that was a few weeks ago. Um, that's sort of gone a bit quieter again more recently. I think everybody is trying as hard as they can to recognise that there are these two different uh, versions of... Um, of, you know, passion uh, going on. Um, we saw Josh Burns, um, who's uh, you know, part of the Jewish community in Melbourne uh, today, uh, whose seat covers the area where there were these, you know, really um, terrible riots uh, on the weekend. Um, once again, he is trying to say, well, look, you know, we, we can't we can't endorse, you know, violence and um, you know, people are entitled to express their view, but, you know, we don't want this sort of violence on the streets of Melbourne. But once again, I think he was really trying to sort of talk talk about restraint, even though he's under a lot of um, pressure from that community to say more. Laura, meantime, the opposition says we should all be uh, very, very afraid about the uh, 80 people released from immigration detention. And, of course, uh, this is a consequence of a high court decision. Yes. Uh, now, this is a complicated story, Philip. Um, this goes back to um, the policy that's been in place for a really long time, which has basically said that um, if you get uh, convicted of a, a, a crime uh, in Australia and you're on uh, and you're not a, a citizen, you're going to get uh, thrown out once you've served your time. But I mean, I'm wildly oversimplifying it. Uh, the High Court um, basically said last week that we couldn't hold people indefinitely um, in these circumstances. And of course, some people have been in um, immigration detention for up to 10 years because uh, we can't deport them for various reasons. Uh, and, you know, this is obviously not a really great outcome. The tricky thing here is that um, the High Court, while it announced its decision, has not released its reasons for that decision. So the government can't sort of immediately turn around and say, oh, well, we'll legislate to have a new system in place. They can't do that until the reasons for the decision have been published. But I think it's also um, important to say, Philip, that not all of the people who uh, have been released or may be released under, uh, as a result of this, this decision uh, are ex-murderers. Um, there's a whole range of different situations. Some of them um, have been convicted of things in Australia, some of them haven't. Uh, some of them are upon relatively minor uh, offences uh, but can't be taken out of Australia, but they've still served this extraordinary amounts of time um, in uh, immigration detention. So it's a very complicated story and the government sort of does sound like it's obfuscating when it says, look, um, it's really complicated and, you know, we have to wait for the High Court and things, but in reality that is the case. Uh, so in the meantime... They're basically looking at a regime a bit like people face uh, when they're on parole so that they might face uh, restrictions on where they can live, how often they have to report to authorities, uh, whether they can work or not, uh, what jobs they can hold, what access they get to welfare, brackets, none other than Medicare. So there are a whole range of things that apply to them 
some of which, uh, and most of them um, would be similar if you were a permanent citizen, but are actually tougher since you're not a permanent citizen because you don't get that access to welfare and there are restrictions on where you can live and work. Ellie Nell on RN and we're having our weekly mingle with Tingle. Laura, the government has responded to the uh, robo-debt Royal Commission uh, with a wholehearted endorsement of its findings. It has, Philip. Now, th- these, this response doesn't deal with the, shall we call it, a secret chapter or the secret volume uh, which deals with individual actions that might be taken against individual uh, bureaucrats or politicians or whatever. Uh, it's really about how you fix up the system so you don't have another robo-debt in the future, which really goes to the heart of the public service culture. Now, Labor sort of says, well, look, you know, we, we now respect the public service and you know, we'll listen to them and we'll treat them properly and, you know, we'll hire more people so that we can do things better and all those sorts of things. And that's all really great. They're putting in more um, uh, sort of uh, bodies of scrutiny, ombudsmen and um, independent boards to oversee schemes like this. But I thought it was uh, significant uh, today that um, one of the things that they said they weren't doing was uh, changing the Freedom of Information Act about classified documents that go to Cabinet. Um, Now, to oversimplify things once again, things that go to Cabinet um, uh, have in the past tended to be um, kept exempt from the Freedom of Information Act on the basis that they were, you know, that releasing them would interfere with the good, uh, good processes of government. Catherine Holmes, the Royal Commissioner, basically said that was a lot of fooey and said that the section of the, of, uh, the FOI Act dealing with that should be repealed. Now, the Attorney-General today, when he was asked about this, basically said, oh, well, this was just a, a bit of a comment she made in passing and um, it wasn't actually a recommendation and we won't be doing it. Now, it would have been pretty significant if they had, um, but uh, I think it's a, it's a real shame that um, the government isn't prepared to even consider modifying this in any way because, as Catherine Holmes said, if this had not been uh, the case, uh, we would have known about a lot of this stuff a lot earlier. But she said Cabinet would have also known uh, a lot earlier that um, unless legislative changes were made, um, the scheme or you know a crucial fa- fact, a crucial uh, aspect of it uh, wasn't going to be legal, which I think is a reasonably significant reason to pause and think about these things. Any hint of an apology from the previous government? Oh, well, we got some individual apologies when uh, the Royal Commission's report was released a few months ago, Philip, but uh, nothing more today. Now, finally, the murky business of lobbying could be in for a shake-up, Laura. It could, Philip, and I think that it's possibly part of a lot of other shake-ups um, that the Teals, the independents, are trying to get through the Parliament uh, at the moment, um, You know, it, which goes to the question of the fact that a lot of... Um, I mean, we know that lobbying is um, a a murky business, as you say, but also the whole process of funding politics is becoming murkier by the moment. The old days where, you know, the question was always about political donations, um, uh, you know, was a a great controversy. People now sort of say, well, look, overt donations aren't aren't actually the way political parties are being funded. They're being funded by all sorts of other, much less clear-cut, and unregulated um, forms of finance. 
And I think uh, Monique Ryan's now moving on uh, the issue of uh, lobbying and is trying to get some changes through there. But I think we're going to see a whole plethora of changes that the independents are going to try to get through before the next election, because apart from anything else, the current rules work against them. Apart from being a trooper broadcasting from a footpath, Laura Tingle is, of course, 7.30's chief political correspondent. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.